now in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and um, we're about to read. But I want to just remind you that, that we're reading a big speech from Moses. So each and every chapter, it can feel a bit out of place. As you, if you just start, it's like starting in the middle of a speech. You know, if you walk into Parliament or some place where the people are giving speeches and you're just halfway through, it takes you a little while to kind of pick up a sense of what this is about because you're, you're lacking the context. So we're about to start reading chapter two, but he's already in the middle of his speech. So you've got to remember that. And you've got to kind of remind yourself, you know, what's going on. And so these are the words of Moses. He's recounting all the things that have happened to the Israelites since they left Egypt. He's basically retelling them their own story, but it's, he's adding some perspectives in that we didn't hear earlier in the Bible. So this is Deuteronomy chapter two. Then we turned and we took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. As Yahweh spoke to me and we encircled Mount Seir many days. Yahweh spoke to me saying, you have encircled this mountain long enough. Turn north, command the people saying, you are to pass through the border of your brothers, the children of Esau, who dwell in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore be careful. Don't contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau for a possession. You shall purchase food from them for money that you may eat. You shall also buy water from them for money that you may drink. For Yahweh your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has known your walking through this great wilderness these 40 years. Yahweh your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. So we passed by from our brothers, the children of Esau, who dwell in Seir, from the way of the Arabah, from Elath, and from Ezion Geba. We turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. Yahweh said to me, Don't bother Moab, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give any of his land for a possession, because I have given Ah to the children of Lot for a possession. The Emim lived there before, a great and numerous people, as tall as the Anakim. These also are considered to be Rephaim as the Anakim, but the Moabites call them Emim. The Horites also lived in Seir in the past, but the children of Esau succeeded them. They destroyed them from before them and lived in their place, as Israel did to the land of his possession which Yahweh gave to them. Now rise up and cross over the book Zered, and we went over the book Zered. The days in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we had come over the book Zered were 38 years, until the generation of the men of war were consumed from the middle of the camp, as Yahweh swore to them. Moreover, at Yahweh's hand, moreover, Yahweh's hand was against them to destroy them from the middle of the camp until they were consumed. So when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people, Yahweh spoke to me, saying, You are to pass over Ar, the border of Moab, today. When you come near the border of the children of Ammon, don't bother them, nor contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the children of Ammon for a possession, because I have given it to the children of Lot for a possession. That also is considered a land of Rephaim. Rephaim lived there in the past, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumin a great people, many and tall as the Anakim. But Yahweh destroyed them from before Israel, and they succeeded them and lived in their place. As he did for the children of Esau who dwell in Seir, 
when he destroyed the Horites from before them, and they succeeded them and lived in their place even to this day. Then the Avim, who lived in the villages as far as Gaza, the Kaphtarim, who came out of Kaphtor, destroyed them and lived in their place. Rise up and take your journey and pass over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given into your land Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Today I will begin to put the dread of you and the fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole sky, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will go along by the highway. I will turn neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Just let me pass through on my feet. As the children of Israel who did in Seir, and the Moabites who dwell in Ar did to me, until I pass over the Jordan into the land which Yahweh our God gives us. But Sihon king of Heshbon would not let us pass by him, for Yahweh your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is today. Yahweh said to me, Behold, I have begun to deliver up Sihon and his land before you. Begin to possess that you may inherit his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people to battle at Jahaz. Yahweh our God delivered him up before us, and we struck him, his sons, and all his people. We took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed every inhabited city with the women and the little ones. We left no one remaining. Only the livestock we took for plunder for ourselves with the plunder of the cities which we had taken. From Aroah, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the valley, even to Gilead, there was not a city too high for us. Yahweh our God delivered up all before us. Only to the land of the children of Ammon you didn't come near. All the banks of the river Jabbok and the cities of the hill country and whatever Yahweh our God forbade us. So Moses is now continuing to recount the story. In the last chapter, he recounted how they sent out the 12 spies and they failed and you know they spread that discouraging word. The people didn't trust God and they were in the desert for 39 more years. Now he's recounted the story of how they've gone all the way through. They've circumpassed Edom, gone up, and they've attacked Sion, king of the Amorites, and defeated him. So Moses is still in his speech, and he's still recounting. And I'm going to point out just um, just two little verses here. And um, But before I do that, I want to make a comment on the book of Deuteronomy. Later on in the Bible, much later, in 2 Kings chapter 22, it's during the time of one of the kings of Israel, King Josiah. Josiah is famous because he became king when he was just a boy. And he put the money box, he put a money box out in the temple so that people could basically put money in for the building fund and restore the temple. And um, he did all of that, that was fabulous. And as part of the restoring of the temple, as they were going through the temple, they found the book of the law. You can go read 2 Kings 22 and read that story. And so basically, the Israelites had been living for generations kind of not aware of what God's law was. Now the law is the first five books of the Bible. So he found the book of the law, but experts believe that the book of the law very specifically is the book of Deuteronomy. So the law, it's kind of, could be many things. It could be the book of Deuteronomy very specifically. It's definitely the first five books of the Bible. That's called the law of Moses. 
But in a sense, the law is also the whole Bible. In another sense, the law is, you know, what the Lord asks of us. It's, it's what he puts on our heart. The law can mean lots of different things. But in uh, Josiah's time, they found the book of the law, which was either the first five books or it was the book of Deuteronomy in the temple. And it had been lost. And that was a result, and that resulted in, you know, King Josiah reading this book, and he was so shocked by the things that Moses was saying, the curses that were going to come if they didn't follow the Lord. And Josiah ended up repenting. He ended up bringing great reforms to the nation of Judah. And um, they tore down, you know, uh, idols. And, and the, the thing about it was, was the king of Babylon came and attacked right after that. Now, the Lord had already decided he was going to judge. But just before the judgment, there were these couple of last kings. And Josiah was the last good king. And this reform so touched the hearts of people that you have people like Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get taken away into exile. And you can read the book of Daniel and you can see how solid they were in their faith. Well, all of this came out of this great reform in the time of King Josiah. So even though they were taken away, they finally, after all these years of struggle, finally they were, they were solid in, in their commitment to follow the Lord. And that's all really, really wonderful. But we've got this interesting weird quirk. Modern scholars, not all of them, You've got liberal scholars, and they kind of try to find anything that's not the literal meaning of the Bible to believe, and they don't just believe what the Bible actually says. And there's people, experts, who just don't want to believe the Bible. They want to undermine it in every way. And then there are biblical scholars, and, um, you know, read the biblical scholars. But there are a lot of these liberal scholars, and they think that the book of Deuteronomy was invented or created at the time of King Josiah. They think it was made up and it was then hidden in the temple and then it was discovered and that's how this book of Deuteronomy was unearthed to the world. It's the biggest load of rubbish you've ever heard. And there's, a, there's many reasons for it. And um, one of the reasons is that there are things in the book of Deuteronomy that are said in archaic language. They're, they're written in the type of language that's really old. It's not written in the type of language that would be written if it would have only been written at you know 580 or, or 600 BC-ish. They think the, this book is written around about 600 years before Jesus. Instead, it's actually written 1,400 years before Jesus. That's a big difference in time. And the way that these people thought was completely different. We were just reading in um, the book of Numbers, the very last chapter, we were reading that um, there was an inheritance given to these daughters of Zelophehad. Well, you know, if these books of Moses were made up, there's whole entire chapters like that which just don't make sense at all. There's no reason to make up a story about giving inheritance to women when they're already in the land, everyone's inheritance is already divided up, there's already laws functioning, and there's no incentive to want to give women property. So there's, there's stories like that. There are things like that that are all through these early books which just demonstrate that they're not when some of these crazy liberal scholars think they are. So if you ever read anything that says Moses um, didn't write these books, um, just ignore it. It's a load of rubbish. And if you ever read anything that says, you know, th that these are more recent books than what we think, they're only written 600 years before Jesus, that's a big load of rubbish too. In fact, um, 
When the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, they were discovered just 1940s, and um, the Dead Sea Scrolls are super fascinating. And uh, when they went into the caves, you know, at, in Qumran, and they were finding these scrolls, they pulled out some scrolls, and one of them was called the Leviticus Scroll. Now, the Leviticus Scroll was written in the ancient Paleo alphabet. Now, the ancient Paleo alphabet didn't even, it, it stopped existing at around about the time that they're saying that this book, that these books are written. When the Babylonians came and took everyone into captivity, that's when the alphabet changed from Paleo to the Hebrew that we're used to seeing. The language was still Hebrew, but the, the alphabet changed. And, but this scroll, the Leviticus scroll in Qumran is old. And that, one, that scroll alone demonstrates to us that these books were not written at this later date. So I think that's all very, very interesting. There are two verses here I just want to comment on in chapter 2. In verse 3, the Lord says to them that it's time to stop going around the mountain, but it's time to go north. Now, you may have heard the, the, in church before, Preachers, I've heard, I've heard black preachers, you know, they get all inspired. I've heard other preachers as well, but the black ones are the best because they really get worked up, make the message exciting. And they say things like, we've got to stop going around the mountain, but we've got to go forward to, to inherit God's promises. And it comes from this part of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 2. And what, what they have in their mind is this picture that in the desert, the children of Israel were just going around and around and around the desert for 40 years, but they weren't they were pretty much camped in one location for 38 of those years. And we read at the end of Numbers, Numbers chapter 37, the 42 steps along the way that they went on the way to the promised land. And it doesn't list any step twice. It doesn't have any circling in the desert going on. And um, so this whole idea of going around the mountain again and again and again, um, it's, not, it's not quite correct. Now, it's true that as, as people, as Christians, but certainly as people, we sometimes repeat our mistakes over and over and over again. And so there's nothing wrong with an encouraging message that says, stop repeating your mistakes. Let's just get on with it and inherit God's promises. That's a good message to make. But you can't really use Deuteronomy 2 for that. When the Lord said here to stop going around the mountain, he wasn't talking about multiple circuits of the mountain. He was just talking about they were going around this mountain and they got to a point where the Lord said, stop going around the mountain and now go north. And so that's all that this is talking about. In verse 7, uh, which is the other verse I want to mention and finish on, it says that the Lord was with them. Now, I'd, I'll just read verse 7 again for you. Let me find it. Um, let me find it in my notes because I just want to read it for you very clearly. Yahweh your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has known your walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Now, that verse makes it sound really positive. Like for these 40 years, the Lord's been with you, you've lacked nothing as you've walked around the wilderness. Now, ask, you obviously can't, but if you could go and interview an Israelite that was walking around the wilderness for 40 years and you would ask them, what was it like? They probably would not have said, oh, it's been so wonderful, the Lord our God's been with us. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have felt supernatural to them. But this verse just describes us that you've lacked nothing, the Lord has been with you. So we've got 
they're basically life experience, but also their spiritual experience was one that on one hand was incredibly mundane. They're living in a desert and it's the same day in, day out, every day for 40 years and sometimes they have to walk, sometimes the sands are hot. At night, the sand, it, in the night it's definitely cold. Look up the weather in the Sinai Desert on um, Wikipedia and just look at the average weather. It gets cold there at night. It's an elevated desert, so it's not, it's, it's high, it's at altitude, so it gets cold at night, hot in the day. And um, so their, their, their daily experiences are pretty mundane, but at the same time, they're only kept alive because the Lord is with them. He's providing their needs. So it's, it's very natural and very mundane, but it's very supernatural and very special all at the same time. And I'd like to say to you that that's what our spiritual lives are like. You might think that you're just waking up every day and you're reading your Bible and then you're praying a few prayers and you're going to work and you're earning some money and you're giving your tithe and you're going to church and you might think it's just life is the same thing over and over and over, but I'll tell you what, the Lord is with you. It might feel mundane and ordinary, but it's also very supernatural. And I think we need to ask the Lord to have our eyes open to see his work in our lives. But we also need to believe that the Lord can work through us. Certainly from Moses' own experience in the desert, it wasn't, mon it wasn't all mundane. There were things that happened and Moses' eyes were open to see, wow, the Lord has provided, the Lord struck the rock, water has flown out. Things were happening which were clearly supernatural and Moses was very aware of it. And if you have your eyes open by the Lord, you'll see the supernatural too in your life and you'll be able to believe for more and more of it as you go along. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the book of Deuteronomy. Thank you for chapter 2. I thank you that we don't have a book that was made up 800 years later, but it was written by the person that it says it was written by. Thank you, Lord, that you're in it. It is Moses' words, but it's your words. I thank you, Lord, that even though our life may be mundane, much of the time it's also special. You're with us. It's supernatural as well as natural. And Lord, I ask you to open our eyes to see that the hand of the Lord is upon us. And Lord, bring us into the place of your choosing, I pray too. In Jesus' name, amen.